The Alec Murdoch jury is seated. Opening statements have been given, and the first witness will be called tomorrow morning. A horrific case in Louisiana. No face, no case used to be the term. Well, not so fast with technology these days. And then finally, our dumb criminal of the day. Let's talk about it. Good day, everyone. My name is Scott Reich, and this is Crime Talk. Thanks for watching. You know the drill. Subscribe if you haven't. Like if you do. Leave me a comment below. And remember to always hit that bell so you receive notifications of when we go live or put up new content. And remember, you can listen to us on any of your favorite podcasting apps. And yes, before we get started, got to pay the bills. Today's sponsor is baked in Colorado. Like many Americans, we got a dog during the pandemic. My quarantine dog, Miss Winnie the Bulldog. Now, Miss Winnie has grown accustomed to being around us all the time. When we were leaving the house, Winnie would have extreme anxiety, so we decided to look for natural products to help with her anxiety. We looked for the highest quality CBD treats, and we were not satisfied, and neither was Winnie. So we created a high quality CBD product that absorbs faster and provides the required results faster. Baked in Colorado CBD treats and beverage enhancers are made with nanotechnology. The nanotechnology makes the CBD extraction more pure, also allows for Baked in Colorado products to work faster. Baked in Colorado products can help reduce your pet's anxiety, ease joint pain, and help with your dog's skin problems. Go to our online store and see what Baked in Colorado product is best for your dog. When you order at bakedincolorado.com, enter code WINNIE and receive 15% off your first order. We have a 30-day money-back guarantee. If your dog does not experience the desired results in 30 days, return the product and we will refund your money. No questions asked. Okay, let's go ahead and open the record for January 25th of 2023. And let's talk about the first item on the docket, and that is the case of Alec Murdoch. The jury has been selected. It took roughly two and a half days from nearly 900 jurors to whittle it down to 12 presumptive jurors and six alternates. The prosecution began their opening statement by basically stating that their theory is that Alec Murdoch killed Maggie Murdoch and Paul Murdoch, his wife and son, and that it was a gruesome, gruesome homicide. They're going to say that they have no direct evidence of anyone that can place him there, but he was able to tell everyone that he wasn't there, but they believe that they have a video from Paul Murdoch's phone that he was recording that shows Paul's voice, Maggie's voice, and Alex's voice as well. So we're gonna have to wait and see what happens. The prosecution says that they have gunshot residue as well as blood splatter that is going to prove that he was in fact there. Needless to say, the defense attorneys got up for Alex Murdoch and, say, and said he is innocent. He didn't do it. And that the data, the circumstantial evidence that the prosecution is going to use to put them there cannot be trusted. The police jumped to conclusions. And on top of that, they have no reason as to why he would kill Paul Murdoch, his son, as well as Maggie, his wife. They were going to call their first witness today. However, like all things in trial, sometimes things come up and it's usually audio-visual related. I, I know the feeling. Well, in this particular case, the sound did not play. 
But the first witness is going to be a first responder on the scene. The defense wants the entire body cam played and the prosecution and the prosecution said, fine, we'll play it. We were just going to give some excerpts, but apparently there's something on there that the defense likes. So the trial resumes at 9.30 a.m. tomorrow morning, Eastern time. We will bring it to you live gavel to gavel coverage here on Crime Talk. Next, a horrific story in Louisiana. The Louisiana State University sorority member who was allegedly sexually assaulted before she was fatally struck by a car reportedly worked at the bar where she and the four male suspects boozed it up in the hours before the attack. Now, the LSU sophomore, Madison Brooks, she was only 19 years old, apparently worked on and off with Alpha Phi sorority sisters behind the bar counter at Reggie's in East Baton Rouge, where she began drinking the evening before she died on January 15th. Now, Brooks posted several snaps online of her at the bar, including one with two of her pals captioned, Three Little Reggie Workers. It's unclear if Brooks was formally employed by the drinking establishment. In Louisiana, the minimum age to bartend and sell alcohol is only 18 years of age. Meanwhile, the state office of alcohol and tobacco control on Tuesday suspended the bar's liquor license due to the seriousness of the allegations and the potential threat to public safety in light of the case. Now, police are investigating Brooks' death and said that she was captured on surveillance video entering the bar at about 10 p.m. on January 14th when she was apparently not working. She met up with a 17-year-old inside the bar and left with him in a drunken state between 1 and 2 a.m. on January 15th, according to police. Three other men joined the pair and got into a car where two of them allegedly sexually assaulted her before she was dumped nearby and run over by a rideshare vehicle, according to police. The 17-year-old, who's not being named, and a gentleman by the name of Kavian Washington, who's 18, were charged with third-degree rape, while Everett Lee, who's 28, and Kaysen Carver, who's 18, face charges of principal to a third degree of rape. Now, none of the suspects are students at LSU, according to the police, and Carver apparently told the investigators that Brooks was very unstable on her feet, was not able to keep her balance, and was unable to speak clearly without slurring her words, according to the arrest affidavit. It was determined that her blood alcohol content was 0.319. Remember, most states, just to be legally impaired, is 0.050. So that makes her BAC level nearly four times the legal limit. The 17-year-old in Washington allegedly raped Brooks in the back of Carver's car. The suspects admitted that she was, you know, in a drunken state, but claimed that she was able to give consent to have sex, according to the affidavit. Now, the suspect dropped Brooks off at a nearby subdivision where she was struck by another vehicle at about 3 a.m. Prosecutors will seek to upgrade the first-degree rape charges against three of the suspects and plan to convene a grand jury in this particular case. Now, the district judge, Brad Myers, said during a bond hearing that he viewed a video filmed by one of the suspects that shows them callously laughing as Brooks slurred her words inside the car but it does not show the assault. The judge said he also reviewed footage from the bar that shows her stumbling, falling over, and needing assistance to stand up prior to the assault. 
The suspect's defense lawyer said the footage will prove that the encounter was, in fact, consensual. Reggie's attorney uh, has stated that the bar is cooperating with the investigation. Now, the bar owner did not respond to any requests for comments, which reported that the autopsy revolts revealed that Brooks had uh, traces of THC or cannabis in her system at the time of the death. Now, Reggie's has been involved in several incidents over the years, including back in 2015 when a 19-year-old man was charged with raping a drunk woman when he left the bar. Then in January of 2016, LSU football player Dylan Gordon was stabbed at the drinking establishment, according to reports. The following year, its license was reportedly suspended for 45 days after dozens of people were arrested, many for underage drinking. And then in May of 2022, Carlitz Tucker was shot dead outside the bar and a 24-year-old woman was injured. Three people were arrested in that incident. So we'll see how that uh, case comes about. But as a general rule, ladies and gentlemen, obviously uh, it's unfortunate a friend did not look out for this young woman. And it's unfortunate these men that thought that uh, it was okay to allegedly do what they did. Allegedly. We'll give them all the presumption of innocence. All right. Remember the old term, no face, no case? It used to go a long way. You needed a body to show that somebody was in fact deceased to show that they were possibly a victim of a homicide. Well, that is changing. And recently the Anna Walsh case has been the most high profile missing person case, uh, obviously started this year after she disappeared just after the first of the year. Now, Brian Walsh, her husband, um, is the one who has been accused of her death. And the real estate executive uh, was last seen uh, by her husband, uh, who claims that she left her Massachusetts home for work uh, to go attend to emergency in Washington, D.C. She never got on a plane and was reported missing on January 4th. Since then, her husband has been charged with the murder, even though no trace of her body has been recovered. And while police believe that they have a strong circumstantial evidence case against Brian from genetic material to surveillance footage of him buying cleaning materials to uh, his disturbing internet searches, he has pled not guilty to the case. Now, oftentimes people think you can't have a homicide case if you don't have a body to prove that a crime was actually committed. And obviously this is true in some case, but when actually a prosecutor goes to trial with no body, guess what? They have about an 86% chance of a conviction compared to only a 70% chance when they actually have a body, just showing that it's actually higher. So although the history of no body, no murder prosecutions in the United States goes back to the early 19th centuries, the trials are actually quite rare because when you don't have a body, you don't have the best piece of evidence in a homicide case for obvious reasons. And the absence of the body brings an added layer of challenge in the court because it requires the prosecution to prove not only that the defendant committed the crime, but that the victim is actually in fact deceased. So when a body is recovered, most times the medical examiner or coroner can determine the cause and manner of death, which is directly related to the charges against the defendant in that particular case. But while the lack of a victim's body poses a challenge for investigators and prosecutors, the ability to hold up a murder conviction in the court hinges on the legal principles of corpus delecti, or body of the crime. 
Corpus delecti dictates that a suspect cannot be convicted of a crime without sufficient evidence that the misdeed was actually committed. In the absence of the victim's remains, homicide cases rely on other convincing physical and circumstantial evidence. One of the most modern cases of the corpus delecti issue is the case of Robert Leonard Ewing Scott, who was sentenced to life in prison back in 1957 for the murder of his wife, Evelyn Thornsby Scott, who was last seen back in 1955. And because Evelyn's remains were never found, Scott's conviction hinged in part on the fact that her glasses, dentures, and other personal belongings were found near an incinerator on their Bel Air property. Although Scott denied killing Evelyn for several years, his obituary states that he confessed to author Diane Wagner after being released on parole in 1978. There have been apparently 576 no-body murder trials in the United States in the last 200 years, with more than half of them occurring since 2000. Obviously, the uptick in those prosecutions is from advanced technology, including obviously the role of DNA, forensics such as fingerprints and electronic trails that outline footprints, including location data, surveillance cameras, ATM transactions, cell phones, which tracks a user's locations and carries a wealth of personal data. I've been saying that for years. Anyway, surveillance footage from the day after Anna was last seen also captured Brian placing two other heavy sets of trash bags in random dumpsters. So prosecutors contend that these bags, which may have included Anna's remains, had already been incinerated by the time the police got to them. In addition to the DNA and suspicious footage, uh, prosecutors allege that uh, Brian's chilling internet search history is evidence of the crime. In the early morning hours of New Year's Day, the father of three allegedly used his son's iPad to look up how long before a body starts to smell and how to stop a body from decomposing. He also searched how long for someone to be missing uh, to inherit. He also looked up best dates to get a divorce for a man. That was on December 27th, just days before Anna disappeared. Rather than divorce, it is believed that Mr. Brian Walsh killed, dismembered Anna, and discarded her body. Mr. Walsh, in this case, obviously checked all the boxes of things you are not supposed to do. Hey, that's what amateurs do. He's writing a segment for Crime Talk on what not to do to get away with murder. And the disappearance of Anna Walsh has some... Uh, similarities to the case of Jennifer Dulos. As you may recall, she was the Connecticut writer and mother of five who was last seen at her rental home in uh, New Canaan, Connecticut back in uh, May of 2019. We covered that case quite a bit. And at the time of her disappearance, Jennifer was in the process of divorcing her husband, Photos Dulos. And although Photos and his girlfriend, Michelle Traconis, were charged with tampering with evidence and hindering prosecution just a few weeks after Jennifer vanished, Fotos was not slapped with capital murder charges related to her death until January 7th of 2020. And as we've said many times before, don't harm your spouse, get a divorce. Just saying, try to work it out. That's the best thing to do. Try to work it out. If you can't work it out, don't harm anybody. Just do it that way. All right, next on the docket, our dumb criminal of the day. Yes, I received another complaint that somebody did not like the word dumb criminal of the day because it disparages people. No, we're talking about the dumb acts that people do that get them arrested. And today's dumb criminal, that's right, is a 34-year-old Houston woman who is going to prison after she admitted 
trying to dupe her cousin and steal his lottery jackpot. So back in 2020, the unnamed man uh, won the lottery in uh, New York's Nassau County, and it was a million-dollar payout from a scratch-off lottery ticket. The man wanted to remain anonymous, so he asked his cousin to claim the prize on his behalf in exchange for the uh, $50,000 that he'd agreed to give to her to come forward and get the money. Arguida did so, but prosecutors alleged that she then forged lottery papers and told her cousin that the ticket had only paid out $20,000. Well, needless to say, the lottery winner didn't buy it, found a press release announcing that Argueta had collected a one-time lottery payment of $537,000. And uh, just last week, Argueta pled guilty to grand larceny and is expected to receive one to four years in prison. She also has to forfeit more than $317,000 from her bank account and give it to her cousin. Now, I'm not saying Miss Argueta is dumb, like, oh, she can't speak, she can't hear. No, nothing like that. But stealing money from your family member and saying, hey, that million dollars was only 20, sorry about that, that's dumb. Certainly somebody's gonna check into that. And then the fact that you got greedy when you could have had $50,000, but now you get nothing and you get a felony and you get to go to prison, that's dumb. And dumb means stupid. I guess we could call him the stupid criminal of the day. Would that be less offensive? I don't know. In the meantime, we'll just keep it as the dumb criminal of the day. All right, I want to thank everybody for watching. And remember, we are now not only here on YouTube, Facebook, Roku, as well as Rumble, kind of our way of sticking it to the YouTube man, so to speak. So we'll see how that goes. But if you're there, check us out. Anyway. Thanks for watching. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you next time on Crime Talk.